Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, children, and welcome to episode 22 of the On My Dime On Your Time podcast. I'm not sure to call it if I should call this episode 22 or season two, episode three. Anyways, this episode is featuring Paul Lin of the WAL. Paul is a professional arm wrestler. He's the second professional arm wrestler I've had on the show. Uh, great conversation. We talk about training. We talk about his mindset around competition. And we talk a little bit about goal setting and like just general mindset and like self-improvement type stuff as well. So gave me a bit of insight on an in- unfortunate scenario that happened when I was arm wrestling a buddy of mine. If you know, you know. Great conversation. And... Yeah, there's not really there's not really much else to say. If you want to see more episodes like this, follow me on Instagram at on my dime on your time podcast and give the episodes a review or a like if that's something that you're into. And yeah, with that, enjoy the episode. All right, Paul, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are maybe like part of my audience that don't know who you are. So how about you introduce yourself for the people? Uh, so my name's Paul Lynn. Um, I'm a four year arm wrestler. Um, um, been blessed enough to have a semi amount of success in my early years here um, and, and, and wound up finding myself on the World Arm Wrestling League's platform. So uh, that's 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 my basic bio. Anything awesome. deeper, you'll have to ask questions for. Sounds like a plan, man. All right. So like you're your high school football, you're a football coach by trade. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, football is my background. <clears throat> and I've been blessed enough to, be, to come into my 15th year of coaching. Uh, this coming season awesome awesome so like how did you get into the sport of arm wrestling and like I'm sure you did it like when you were younger just for fun like schoolboy arm wrestling and stuff so how did it progress kind of from doing it for fun to getting to that professional level right and I've I, I've done a couple I've done a couple interviews before and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse but I'll kind of go over like the whole process I mean it, it it's very stereotypical from like the initial standpoint of like exactly what you said in elementary school, we arm wrestled and some of my closest friends and like, you know, I got, we arm wrestled at lunch all the time. And that was, was what it was. Nobody knew what they were doing, but I, I almost never lost. And, and in fact, the only two losses that I ever remember uh, before I understood what arm wrestling was, was to a, a, a kid um, that I remember when I was, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade and he was two years older than me, a bigger kid. And he smoked me. And now he wound up becoming a tremendous athlete, went on to West Virginia University, was a starter, played like right tackle, like he was a stud. You don't know when you're when you're when you're 12 years old. But it stuck with me. And I at that point I believed that oh, you know, if somebody beats you, there's no point in arm wrestling them again because they're just stronger than you. Mm-hmm. And the next, the next one, you kind of fast forward to my first introduction to an arm wrestling table, which would have been when I was just out of college and um I had started a job working in the warehouse and I was on second shift and there was a bar close to the warehouse that I worked at. And on Tuesday nights, they, they, had, a little, they had a little thing going on. And <clears throat> come to find out in hindsight, this was one of the bars, the locations that they held the old Yukon Jack tournaments and qualifiers at. Um, so they had a table that they got from that. And you know, I saw an arm wrestling table. I seen people arm wrestling. I, and, and that was the first time I seen a table. I was like, whoa, let me go do that. So I went over and proceeded to spend the next two hours arm wrestling. <laughs> and uh, about two, about two hours in, uh, a, a big jack <laughs> meathead comes to the table. And um, 
I want, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a quicker guy. So I was hitting everybody fast and everything, not knowing what I'm doing. I pin him, but he doesn't stop. And he pulls my arm open and all my buddies are, all my buddies are filming it and they all still have it in their phone right now. But it, those are the two times that I remember losing. Um, and, you know, there was always the, 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 the bar challenges. Um, and, and I figured it out early um, that, you know, somebody started talking in the bar. I just said, oh, I'm not doing this for free. There's got to be money on the line. So I made a few bucks here and there, not knowing what I was doing, but I was naturally good at it. I don't know what, what genetic, uh, uh, predispositions make you good at arm wrestling. Um, but I think tendon density and stuff, I was kind of blessed with that. So fast forward, um, after football career is done, I start coaching and I'm coaching alongside of at the time, a guy who coached me, um, and has kind of, was kind of one of my mentors. And, uh, there was, there was an instance where he had a bunch of his buddies. He's from like a coal region town, like tough guy town, old school blue collar. And he had a bunch of his buddies up and we were out at a bar and, and, uh, their arm wrestling came up as a topic. And, uh, my, my high school coach, you know, I was a little bit younger at the time and everything. And I respected the world, you know, his buddy from his hometown said, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a PA state champion and blah, 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 blah. And one of my other buddies was like, Oh, really? You guys want to, you really want to bet on this right now? So I wound up in this scenario with my high school coach, whose buddy actually was an arm wrestler and we're at a bar and here we are at the corner of the bar and I smoked him. And then he, oh. he wanted to double or nothing. I smoked him again. Um, and then after that, my, my buddy who I coached was, was like, I think we should find you a tournament. Like, so we should look some stuff up and we, we looked up uh, just some local tournaments and we found a, a little fundraiser tournament in Pittston PA and, and we drove a couple hours and I just showed up and uh, did decent. I won, I won the, the amateur class, both arms and uh, took third in the pro class, beat a national champion along the way. So that, that's kind of how it started, but I lost, I lost to Bill Runkle. I remember Bill Runkle is one of my training partners right now. He's a super heavyweight. He's the top 10. I got, I think he's on the top 10 list in, in North America. It might be in the top 20. Anyway, he's a good arm wrestler and much bigger than me. Smoked me, hit me off the go, crushed me. And <laughs> the guys who I went with were looking at wide eyed, like, uh Oh, you know what I mean? And I left the tournament and um, I did something to my shoulder uh, to, to which I could never really bench correctly after that. And I had like some soul searching to do, like, what do I want to do? Do I want to move forward with this? I was kind of dejected. I felt like, uh, I think I did okay, but I don't really know. But I also had come into that tournament with unrealistic expectations that I was going to beat everyone. Because at that point I had done no training, I, but I had watched a lot of Devin Larrick videos. So in my head, I was like, huh, I've been watching Devin now for about two or three weeks. I am going to be good. I'm fine. <laughs> um, so you, you get kind of humble quick. And I think there was a little period where I had to kind of rest my shoulder um, and, and work around that in the gym. And I was debating whether I wanted to move forward or not. And then I, I looked up another, another tournament um, that was hosted by Sue Fisher in Allentown, PA. Um, and uh, that's where I met Jim Bryan, uh, rest in peace. Um, but I met a bunch of people at that tournament, um, huge tournament, PA winter blast. And I wound up, um, I wound up winning the amateur classes, but it was a big amateur class. It was about, uh, 25 people in the class didn't enter pro in that one but that was the point in time where I decided I met Tim Lewis and a couple other people and they pipelined me in with different guys and it was actually Tim Bresnan and Ron Klemba that I was pointed to to go get a table at that point I said to t I went up to Ron just never met the guy introduced myself and said I, I really need a table would you make the one uh, he said I'm not gonna I'm not in the business of making tables anymore but I do have a couple laying around uh, 
my training facility. Um, I don't want to ship them to you. So I'll give you a good deal on it if you come up and get it. So that was a, that was about five and a half, six hours for me. But he said, hey, go ahead. You come on up. You know, you'll save the shipping. I, I think I got a table for 150 bucks or 200 bucks um, as a quality table. And uh, you'll get to practice with us. So that was my first introduction to real formal arm wrestling training. And it was a, a huge eye opener. So uh, when, when you go up there and train with those guys and they grind for about three, four hours and, and, they, and they take no prisoners on you, uh, you learn um, the pain that really is involved in the sport. And unless you truly arm wrestle, if you're watching, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you don't arm wrestle um, and you're interested in it, be warned. <laughs> the first few practices are like nothing else. And I'm coming, guys, I'm coming from a football background. I played at all levels. I've had injuries. I am telling you that there is nothing like the arm wrestling pain the first few months. Yeah. So I was introduced yeah. to that. And, and luckily, I got a pseudo um, kind of masochistic mentality towards like training and inflammation. <laughs> so I went right at it. I was like, hey, guys, I'm coming back next week. So luckily, my life, my wife was super supportive at the time, and she was cool with me just bouncing for like the entire like 24 hour period that it took to get up there and come back for like my first three, four weeks of, uh, of arm wrestling commitment. But at that point, I was kind of bit by the bug. Perfect. Yeah, man, the pain is just it's just crazy because I work out at the gym. Like, I don't I'm not like super like. I'm not like a super strong guy or anything. Like when I got into arm wrestling, I arm wrestled Devin a few. I've been fortunate enough to arm wrestle like with Devin a few times. And then like we did like a big practice in like downtown Toronto. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm doing okay. Like I'm a decent beginner. Like I pin a few guys. I like get opened up a few times, but the pain, like not the day after oh. two days later, like brachialis oh. pain. It's just, it was oh. crazy. No. I, thought I, I thought I like pulled something or something, but I don't know. Was, yeah. I try to tell people like I, I and, and, and I've seen it and I, and, and I've seen my new guys go through it. I remember going through it and I still to this day believe that my pain threshold is pretty high. Um, and I remember sleepless nights where I'm, wow. you know, I got my both arms elevated on pillows. I've also seen new guys to the point where mid training session, they go outside and vomit due to the pain. And I've watched people turn green just because of the pain. You don't use your brachialis much. You really don't. Mm -hmm. There are several muscles that are, are mainstays in arm wrestling that are very underutilized. You can go to the gym as much as you want. You can be, you can be ripped, shredded, jacked, and fully trained in every formal lift. And then you spend an hour on the table and you figure out muscle fibers that you didn't know you had. And like you said, it's the two day rule, man. It's, it's that lactic acid. It's, it's a, it, it is like having a toothache in all of your teeth but right in between your bicep and your tricep. <laughs> it's oh, like nothing else. <laughs> yeah. I remember this one time, like I just started like training like from home and then like, like one, like my pronators just started like twitching for like a couple hours and I'm just yeah. like, hey, something's up. I don't know what to do with this. Like I did ice and everything. It didn't go away. I just had to sleep on it. And then it was finally dealt with. Jesus. Yeah. The pronator Terry's is now, I mean, that, and that's the muscle that I, you know, training hard trainings. Now that's the one that I continue to get sore on sort yeah. uh, the pronator Terry's and that 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 really is such a such an important aside from wrist flexion your finger flexors the pronator Terry's is just about what arm wrestling is as a whole and once again when are we when are we going to the gym working on our pronator like exactly. never so <laughs> exactly. 
Um, this this kind it's kind of a silly question, kind of beating a dead horse, and like I feel like this debate's kind of like up in the air still, and some a lot a lot of people have answered it. But what do you think is more important in arm wrestling, like hand or arm? Kind of, it's that's such okay, a, so, a crazy question. Well, this is a it's a really complex question. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about it. Um, I've discussed it, debated it. Um, and I have a lot of high level guys' opinions on this to kind of you know back up what I'm thinking. Um, so I think first and foremost. The confusion lies in what is what is your hand, because obviously, like we have we have finger flexion, we have wrist flexion, we have pronation, we have supination, we have rise, we have sink. All of those things derive from the hand. Um, and then when you start talking about the arm, you you essentially you have back pressure, you have side pressure, and you have drag. Yeah, I mean, or 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 what I mean like uh, tricep press kind of falls into to side pressure. So there are many more variables in the hand. So if you want to look at the hand as that all-encompassing thing, then I mean, I think it's 100% cut and dry that the hand is more important than the arm. Um, <clears throat> now, if you want to break it down to the actual components of the hand, like what is most important, um, John Brzezink, you know, who is the GOAT, we all know that. Um, and yeah, I discuss things often with Neil Pickup on our, on our podcast. Um, and he has, we are pretty much all in agreement that wrist flexion, any form of finger and wrist flexion down is the primary thing. And what, like when I'm giving talks or I'm training new guys, I always try and tell them to prioritize from the fingertips down. So finger, finger and wrist flexion first, pronation, supination second, rise, sink third you know, back pressure falls right in with all of them. They can be trained together. Um, at that portion, when you get to that, now you're thinking drag, lat driven drag, bicep drag. After that, and last but not least, but definitely last, in my opinion, probably contrary to Todd Hutchings, is side pressure. Um, as far as new arm wrestlers training and, and, and the ability to train safely. Me personally, when I went up to the dungeon with, with Tim Bresnan and Ron Klemba, my my clear weak point at that time was my wrist. I was losing my hand um, and losing all options because of it. Um, and I wound up training with uh, my good buddy. I mean, they, they told me that right off the bat. And I trained with my good buddy, uh, Anthony Snook. And he told me a couple of weeks later, he said, you need to get a wrist wrench. And between every set that you're doing in a gym, you use that wrist wrench. And over the course of a couple of months, my wrist became formidable. Over the course of a year, now, I mean, it's not breaking back. If I lose a match, I very rarely lose my wrist. So the beauty of it is, is you can come in without the strongest hands or without the strongest wrist and you can really improve on that stuff. And the same thing goes for the large muscle groups. I mean, I've got guys that I train with who really have everything. They might work a, a construction job and they might turn a wrench and they might lift heavy things and they're just gnarly hands. And they have all that back pressure or they have all that cup and they have all that supination, that crushing pressure, but they don't have the arm to back it up. And if you're so blessed to have all that stuff already, then it's easy to get the, 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 the shoulder, the lat, the pec, the bicep, you can build them up quick. Absolutely. Um, so like you, you've been in the sport for quite a long time and you're one of the, the few individuals in the sport who do create content like, like around the sport as well. Like there's Devin and, Ryan Bowen and like Neil pick up a little bit as well, but like there's not really too many athletes I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe I haven't just explored enough that actually create content. So like, 
how did you like start creating content? What was like the initial drive to do that? Because your videos are very helpful. I've learned a lot from them. Oh, that's awesome. That's, I'm glad to hear that because they weren't. If you dig back in those videos, you're going to see some really funny stuff. So you can pretty much see like my, I don't want to say my entire journey, but you can see highlights from, from my matches and you can see, um, you can see my early training videos. So for me, that was like, you know, four or five years ago, I started playing around with YouTube. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was filming everything wrong. I got my camera horizontal on these terrible videos on this terrible camera but i was i was capturing stuff and i was largely capturing stuff because i wanted to have it to review later and then i got into like all right you know i, I like hip-hop and put some music over this i'm trying to edit it up and everything so it kind of just progressed along and and in reality when i started really deciding to create content was when i decided to take my name off the youtube and, and kind of make it a collaboration with uh, some some fellow pullers with, and, and and myself. Um, I had been I had been posting quite a few just training montages. You know, you could take them for motivation. You could take them for whatever you want. Um, but they were the montages of what I was doing, whether right or wrong at the time. And I think one of my biggest um, things at that point, like that, I was worried about was, am I actually doing it right? Because I'm hearing a lot of different, I mean, asking everybody, I'm asking a million questions, you know, I mean, Devin, everybody that I've ever been around, I mean, I've been around so many great arm wrestlers coming up, I've been blessed to do, and I'm asking them all different stuff. And <clears throat> for me, what I'm doing is I'm taking bits and pieces, and I'm, I'm putting that in, in my head, and, you know, coming out with whatever works best in my current, like, strength-driven split. So a lot of what I was doing was kind of different, and, and parsed things together and it seemed on like facebook that you know if i posted those youtube videos they picked up a little bit of interest um from that i i started really digging into the idea of uh really trying to provide the information um to the new pullers that i didn't have readily available and i had to drive you know thousands of miles over courses of of, of weekends to go and gather myself so i i don't when it comes to the content creation, um, I love what everybody's doing. And, you know, 2020, 2020 is the year of the content creators. Absolutely. There are so many more now and there are, and it's beautiful. There's newer guys doing it. There's newer guys mapping their journey. Ryan Bowen made a, you know, on, on our podcast, he was talking about like, if you are interested in arm wrestling at all, um, just, just track your progress, you know, just, just highlight your journey you know, give those milestones and let people know, because, you know, you look at, you look at John Brzezink's the goat, like we all know his, his resume, but his resume, there's no videos of it. You know, imagine had we been able to watch John Brzezink's journey as he grew up from, you know, a 14 year old boy competing to the, to the best that the world will ever see. Um, <clears throat> that would be beautiful, you know? So I think I, that's kind of what I did early on was just kind of track my progress and map my journey. Um, and then I really started trying focusing on like, you know, educational type stuff. Um, this isn't something that, that I'm intending on making money on. It's a labor of love. I edited a video today <laughs> that took me like two hours and it's terrible. It's just like a highlight from a challenge match event we had. And I, my edits are horrible and I spend forever on them. And then, you know, when people talk about like YouTube revenue, I might make 30 cents, you know? So there's no, there's nothing, there's, there's no time am I going to make up the initial investment in, in hardware. So I'm doing it just uh, in hopes to promote the sport and help folks that are getting into the sport 
not make the same mistakes I did and progress faster than me. Sure. All right. Um, I think it's time to address the elephant in the room. I'm going to tell you a story of something that happened to me when I was arm wrestling and a buddy of mine. And like you made a video about the arm break and arm wrestling. And that was one of the questions that I sent you. I think, I think you kind of yes. know where this is going. Yeah. Like kind of for the audience and for yourself, I'll give you, I'll give you a bit of context. Right. So like, I go to my friend's place at university, right? And then I'm we're just like joking around. I'm like, yo, let's arm wrestle. And then I'll say, let's go with right because I'm strong at right. I'm an egotistical son of a bitch. And I want to like... <laughs> so then, yeah, that's, that's all arm wrestlers, even if they act like they're not. So it is yeah, what it is. So like, at that point, I didn't do much training, but like, I think my hand is... I have like a reasonable sized hand. So I was able to take hand control and just like have a good time. We, we say like in center, I was just able to like pronate and just have some fun, right? So I think that made, I don't know what happened that we ended up going on left. And then I told, and the worst part is I told him beforehand, I'm like, okay, make sure you keep your arm like inside your body. Don't open up like this. Cause that's when you're going to break your arm. So then we set up and then like my friend, like make sure, make sure our hands are straight. He go, he says like, ready, go, we go. He like hits to the, he's, his arm's still like inside his body, but he hits to the side. I kind of stop him in like an open just like an open position a pretty crappy position anyways but then he's like he's like on top of my hand like like yeah. that essentially and his arm just goes yep so just i i don't understand how that happened because he in the, he in theory he's in a safe position so then right. it's just it's i still don't like get it like i don't know yeah so and i can understand how that could possibly jade you as far as your journey um so so we can talk about the, the the actual like angles and stuff and and everything else but uh once again my buddy my buddy snook and we talked about it early on in my career and he said look you can look at 10 arm breaks and nine of them you're gonna identify a bad position where the ref should have stopped it or the puller put himself in you know, in a split second, put him in a terrible, put himself in a terrible spot. But there's always going to be that one that makes absolutely no sense. Um, and I've seen them. I've seen them now in hindsight, thinking and pondering on them more. Um, I think that there may be, depending on what, what movement and what pressure you're actually using with your shoulder. I believe there, like, from what I remember, I believe I was just holding. I was just stopping. I wasn't. No, I, I'm, I'm talking about him. I'm yeah. talking about him. When it, it, it is, in my opinion, it is 90% based on what the guy who broke his arm did, not what the other guy did. I mean, there is scenarios where you know a guy's in a bad spot and you, you, you shouldn't go. But if you're holding it open, it's because he, 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 he put spiral pressure on his own arm. Um, I, based on what you're saying right now, um, I a buddy who, who started training with our club um, and went to, I think his second uh, tournament was our sit down, um, Atlantic Coast sit down championship. I think that was two years ago. And he had a good amount of training under his belt, but he come from a strong man background, big six foot five, 300 and like, 50 like he was at one point he was enormous and he had a good uh, good strong man career and he got into arm wrestling and he's very strong um and we're, we're sit down arm wrestling too which requires a little bit of uh, side pressure and he was in the winning position at the pin line right and he has hand control and he can't get the pin because there's nowhere to kind of fall back on and sit down and he commit his shoulder with the hands at the center of the table 
and started driving in theory, which was in a good position, driving down and it let go from a winning position with hand control. But it was, it really was that, that shoulder driven spiral commitment that, that he kind of, and, and in hindsight, he wasn't bitter about it or anything. Cause I mean, he said to me, he said, I said, yo, what happened? Like, I think if you would have waited there that you probably would have been able to wait the guy out with a little bit of back pressure. And he said, Paul, when to win, I wanted to win right then. So, and, and it, 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 I've seen, I've seen so many, you know, and now that I'm kind of starting to delve into refing here and here and there at local events, it scares me more as a ref because I feel like I would feel more um, responsibility if it happened on a table I was refing. So if I'm reffing the amateurs, I'm, I'm, I'm quick to stop that. So yeah. You don't get a foul. You pull safe or you get a foul. Scary stuff, man. Um, yeah, it's part of the sport, though. My, my buddy, when I started, uh, another gym-based guy, one of my close friends, was at my house yesterday. Um, he, he, he broke his arm at his second tournament. And it was, you know, it was devastating. It, and once again, it was one of those positions where he was kind of holding down here. And he went to rotate. He went to rotate up. And it let go. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of underlying characteristics too, bone density, you know, there's hereditary things, um, there's diet things, there's a lot of things that can kind of contribute, uh, micro fractures, depending on what you're doing. Uh, Bart Wood has always said that I, he, I think his rule of thumb was you need three hard years of pulling before you're safe. Now, obviously you can break your, you can break your arm on your, your third year on the first yeah. day, but I mean. It, that's kind of the rule of thumb three years in you start to become more safe is it kind of like that theory of like for like strength training for like squatting and deadlifting like your spine does in fact like the struts in your in your vertebrae do thicken is it kind of like a similar thing like for arm wrestling like the connective tissue and your bones just kind of thicken with that training with that pressure kind of thing or is it just something else so so a lot of this is kind of theory and when we start talking about like tendon density and connection and things like that i mean we we know that like if you create micro fractures like stress fractures and they heal that they're going to heal stronger we know how bones work you know we we get that um that when they heal and, and the same thing with tendons so if you're creating micro tears kind of at this insertion in theory that scar tissue is going to going to um, strengthen them i do not know if the idea of like there's a lot of people who say you know you need to strengthen your tendons do, do we know how to strengthen our tendons? I'm not sure if we do. You know what I mean? I know that I think in my mind that that arm wrestling table time is probably, I don't want to say the best way to strengthen tendons, but the best way to tax them. You can tax them in the gym, but that pressure, that constant pressure in, in multiple vectors that you get from arm wrestling, to me is the best tendon activation where I feel like the insertion soreness rather than, you know, up further in the tendon or in the muscle belly. I can, you can get your muscle, you can get your muscle strong in the gym, but that, I think that tendon like health and recovery um, is really going to be stimulated by arm wrestling on the table. But once again, these are all theories and you could, you get five different people on here and they could all tell me I'm dumb. <laughs> so you never know. Mm -hmm. In arm wrestling, like just from like the content that I've been consuming, there seems to be very many like different schools of thought when it comes to like training, like just a couple examples, like I'm not sure if this is like how Dev, how Devin's always been, but he he doesn't put any emphasis on like the squeezing aspect when it comes to like movements like that. But then when Travis when Travis talks, he's like make a fist around the guy's thumb and then like then you hit to the side. It's it's very different. And then maybe 
again, like again with Devin, he doesn't train side pressure directly, right? But then you have people like Ryan Bowen, you have Todd Hutchings, and I'm sure there's many others who do train side pressure. So like, maybe, right, let's break. Why, why do you think there is so many different schools of thought within arm wrestling when let's say maybe in, I, I don't know much about football, but maybe for like strength and conditioning in like a football sense, there's a few things that are like range through across. Right. Well, it's a broad, it's a broader sport. So I think that the ultimate question you got there is, you know, why is there so many different ways to, 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 to train for arm wrestling? Because there's so many different ways to arm wrestle that are contrasting majorly. Um, and, you know, football is similar too, depending on like, you know, what offensive defense you run, but it really is not the same arm wrestling. You can train drastically different for your style. So let's go back to what you talked about with Travis and Devin. Um, because it's an interesting concept. Um, just did a, uh, a seminar two weeks ago in New York um, where we, we dug into that. Now, Travis is uh, obviously somebody who I've worked with quite a bit because we're pretty close in proximity. He's a buddy of mine. I love his style of training. I cannot train just like Travis does. When I'm getting ready for a match, depending on what I want to do, I will incorporate a lot of what Travis does to sure certain things up because I know his style of training. You get fairly quick um you get fairly quick response, you know, once you start putting it in there. But even like he says, he does not do it, you know, all year long. Um, so, so the idea of grippers, uh, that's the big thing. Like the first thing, I, that's the first tool I bought because I didn't know what I was doing. So give me some captain, captains of crush grippers. Um, the reality is if you want to, if you want to close a gripper, your, your, wrist itself will not flex it will extend when you are at your strongest point your wrist will be open where your fingers are strongest as and if you think about it right now if you're listening you, you, you if you if you flex your wrist completely and then squeeze your fingers in that fully cupped wrist flex position that is a very weak movement so are grippers good for arm wrestling all depends on how you use them if you close the gripper with your wrist fully flexed, like John Brzezink always preached about doing, take the lightest one, take the ego out, take the lightest one, close it with your bottom two, close it with your top two fingers and close it from a fully flexed wrist or close it and then flex your wrist and keep your pressure. Because that's where those, those, um, those wrist flexors and those finger flexors really fire up. So even if you just make a fist right here and you close your wrist completely, your, your wrist will eventually, the, the muscles in your forearm will eventually start to cramp. So what Devin and what Travis is doing when he's saying squeeze, Travis's philosophy is take a towel, usually a hand towel, that you can fold over one time and you put it in your hand and you squeeze. Now what he's doing is he's not, he's not, he's making a fist, but he's making it from this position. So it's more like he, you can't make a fist when you're arm wrestling completely because your fingers can't ball up because you have, a, you have your opponent's hand there. So the closest thing you can do to making a fist is letting those first joints on your knuckles stay flat and squeeze that way. And his idea, and, and it's I've heard Travis talk about this a thousand times, his idea is not to hang on to his opponent, but to force his opponent to hang on to him. So it's the idea of if we're both in the arm wrestling table right now and, and I have my elbow on the table and I make a fist and I get a slight, just of ever so slightly, one or two degrees of flexion in my wrist and you grab a hold of my hand, even though you're taking a higher point on my hand, if you were to arm wrestle my fist, you will, if you grab, next time you train with your buddy, 
put your fist down and have your buddy grab your fist from an arm wrestling table and try and arm wrestle that fist. It's absolutely impossible. So Travis's his whole game is based off of when he's not in the straps, make his opponent hang on to him and have better back and side pressure. And then when he's in the straps, use uh, a bunch of different setup techniques, but to squeeze and make his hand and his palm and the heel of his hand, his thumb pad as wide as humanly possible so that he controls the strap with the pressure that the enlarging of his hand creates on the, on the strap connected points. So that's, that's his style of arm wrestling. Um, Travis is also a believer in the silver bullet, you know, have one move, one thing that beats everybody. Devin is a more versatile uh, arm wrestler. He's, he's a counter arm wrestler. He's going to go where you're weak uh, rather than try to beat everyone in the same spot. So that creates the diversity in training for Devin and quite often why Devin spends quite a, quite a bit more time on the table than Travis does. Now, when you start digging into Ryan Bowen and, and Todd Hutchings' side pressure training, um, that's a whole different animal. Todd is a special human. Um, I, he's a special guy. You know, the things that he can do um, and his willpower. And a lot of people think, you know, because he trains side pressure, that he's like a low IQ puller or something and he just goes sideways and doesn't care about his hand. That couldn't be further from the truth. He's one of the most intelligent people in the entire sport. Um, and it's just now that I'm starting to delve into some of his stuff, like where the side pressure training, JM presses, some of these different things. But I, I didn't feel like I was at the point where I needed to start digging in to that ace up my sleeve. So I'm starting to do it now um because 2020 has been horrible i haven't been able to really put it to the test other than the practice table so i guess we'll see in 2021 how effective it is like delving a little bit away from like specifically arm wrestling like you you played a lot of football when you were younger so like maybe how has football shaped your mindset towards arm wrestling are there any things that you learned from like your football coaches that may maybe that, that you translate over to like to being at the table well, for, you know, for, for me, football, football was really my, and, and my mentors that I, that I was blessed enough to have through football is really what um, created me as a person, not just, um, not just uh, in, not just in arm wrestling, but kind of in life. And we say it to this day, like, you know, every important characteristic um, that you're going to need to be successful in life, you can learn through football if you're looking close enough. Um, so it's one of those things that it taught me, taught me the value of work ethic. It taught me the value of you get out what you put in. Um, and it also taught me how to, to build on long-term goals with um, short-term steps, um, how to really kind of focus on the day-to-day -day stuff with a week-to-week -week goal in mind, with a month-to-month -month goal in time in mind, with a year-to-year -year goal in mind. So it taught me that. It taught me how to, it, it taught me how to lose. Taught me how to. It taught me how to be a good sportsman um, in losing and, and in winning. Um, it, it, it taught me so many different things that allow all these things have kind of um, molded me towards life in general before arm wrestling even started. I uh, wasn't blessed to have a whole lot of strong male role models as a kid um, in my family, so I really took to football and the structure that it provided. Um, and also the ability to shut everything off. Like when you're at practice, nothing else matters. You know, 
when you're in a game, nothing else in the world matters. You know, same as arm wrestling. When you step up to that table on the big stage, the whole rest of the world stops in your mind and nothing else matters. So football to me was what kind of shaped me as a human and as a competitor. And I talk with other arm wrestlers quite often about um, a lot of, not every arm wrestler, you know, comes from a sports background or, or something like that. But um, a lot of the good ones have some form of athletics behind them. Ryan Bowen was an elite level uh, tennis player. Uh, Travis Bajan was uh, was an elite level um, baseball player and football player. There's a lot of guys I think who who um, have used that. Um, doesn't mean you have to have it because there's a lot of guys who don't. Um, but you take a look at Devin. I don't know how many sports Devin played as a kid. I think he might have played quite a few, but uh, he was an elite level soldier. Um, so I think that we're all learning something from from what you know what made us, what brought us to where we're at. So I wouldn't call myself an elite level athlete, but I think what I developed through football in my life was an elite level work ethic. So I developed the understanding of, you know, this is what I need to do today for what I need for tomorrow. And I, I developed the understanding that like, I have to know, I have to, I have to use everything readily available to get better, whether that be learning, whether that be working out, whether that be, you know, whatever is at my, whatever is available, I'm going to use that so that I can have no regrets. Um, so I think that those are kind of the things that really helped me come into arm wrestling at, at a fairly decent level. And the other thing is, is just comfortability with competition. I know so many guys who start this sport and who are, you know, like you say, yeah, I don't know if you, I don't know if I want to compete. You know what I mean? Compete, bro. You got to compete because competing is learning like practice. You can learn a lot of stuff technique wise, but like a ready go you up there at the table with the ref and that's it. And nothing else matters. And you win or you lose no matter what you learn. You know what I mean? And every time you do it, you become more comfortable, but no matter how many times you do it, <laughs> you'll never stop being nervous. <laughs> but the beauty is the nerves. If you can get yourself to like, uh, be okay with the nerves sooner or later you're going to enjoy it you know it's it's like uh you know even win or lose there's there's no feeling like it right before competition of any kind especially when it's one-on-one -on -one. and that the one-on-one -on -one thing is the thing that's new to me i'm used to team sports like there's one-on-one -on -one aspects and everything but i was not i mean i wrestled when i was a kid and and to be honest i, I just enjoyed the team sports better so that's the new thing for me with with, with arm wrestling is the idea is just me you know there's no other factors outside of my control. It's 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 an interesting concept because one of my buddies getting started, Mike Homewood, he was also, you know, he played on the USA team for, in football. Like he was a very good football player. Um, and he got jaded by the sport because he did not like the team aspect of it. He was so sick of losing games because what he thought was not his fault or what, you know, somebody else in the team did. He said he wanted to seek out a sport that it was more individual. So I mean, it's, it's interesting, the concepts, and it's interesting, like, you know, people's background, what, what really brings them to the sport. Just from speaking with you briefly, I get a sense that you, you're kind of, you're one of those guys who, like, thrives in, like, competition and, like, intense, like, competition, like, states, and, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but has the, has being, has reaching the world level of the sport affected you, like, your, men, like, your mental in, like, a positive or a negative way? Sure, probably both, um, and yeah, you're 100% right. I am, um, if I'm not competing, 
um, I'm not happy. Like if I don't have something to work for, if I'm not grinding, my wife is, she gets so sick of it. You know what I mean? But like right now, you know, with 2020 being what it was, you know, not, not having competition that creates this um, tension that, that I have a hard time releasing. So the gym is my escape competition is my reset. You know what I mean? So like I go to the gym to escape, but that escape also has a goal attached to it. But when, when once that goal is achieved or lost, the competition itself is the reset button. So my wife always gets on me. She's like, why don't you ever take time to enjoy your victories and your wins and everything else? I'm like, I've been successful as a football player. I've been successful as a coach. I've been successful as an arm wrestler. And I don't, I mean, and, and this is a horrible characteristic of mine, but I got like boxes full of medals and shit just sitting in, in boxes that I get it. I say, oh, nice. Thank you. I immediately don't care about it. And put it in a box and forget about it. Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I went and went to his house and he just did up his basement. And I mean, he's like a shrine to like all his, it was like, I was like, holy crap, you, this is unbelievable how much stuff that you have. Like, it, it, it's like, <laughs> I kept nothing. And for whatever reason, I just, there's something inside of me that doesn't, it doesn't push me towards um, enjoying those moments. I enjoy them for a second, maybe for that night. Um, and then immediately I have to refocus on another goal. If I don't refocus on another goal, uh, I'm not happy. So um, I'm envious of the people who keep everything and, and, and meticulously keep all that stuff because they're going to have stuff for the kids. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be that guy. So uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, I think when it comes to like how it affected me, um, like as far as getting to that, that upper tier, um, I think if I'm being completely honest, it took a lot of the fun out. Um, the climb is the fun. Uh, my first couple of years, I was on the road every weekend. I was hitting a practice or a tournament. I think I did 22 or 23 tournaments my first year. Wow. Um, and I, and I was just going and I like, you know, if I'm, I'm able to make that 205 class or whatever it was at the time, I've always been around in between 205, 215. I would pull that class and whatever else was available um, until until I won three in amateur or whatever. I pulled the amateur and the pro. I'd go pull six divisions, um, and to me that was fun. I, I enjoyed the crap out of it, even though I didn't care about the medals or anything like that. I just enjoyed the competition, get as many ready goes as I can. And I talked to a buddy uh, a buddy of mine now. I, I, I tell him uh, my butter my buddy uh, Roger Bailey. Um, he 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 creates some content and stuff. I don't know. He, He's, he's coming up now. He just, he just got on the rankings in North America. And it's, it's one of those things where I tell him, like I, I've said it to him and I, it just rings so true with me and just appreciate this climb because before you know it, <laughs> you're going to have the target on your back <laughs> rather than going after other people. And that's never as fun, you know, and I'm not to say that I'm at the top yet. Not, I mean, I'm not anywhere near the top at all, but it, it definitely changes things because now you know, with, you know, being in, under a contract, you have to you see what you can and can't do. Um, if there is a local tournament, um, people don't want you to pull it anyway, you know, so the competition aspect has to be more thought out and there's less of it. So that to me is the negative is the lesser, the, the, the lesser amount of competition that I get to kind of, you, you know, enjoy. Um, the positive side is that now you get the opportunity to potentially do a little bit more good in the sport. Um, I am, I, I don't, I don't, 
I have not yet rationalized um, really my own level in my own head. Um, so I have a lot of people coming to me, you know, for advice and now seminars are becoming a thing. And I'm like, dude, why do you want a seminar for me? Why are you not calling Todd Hutchings or why, you know, oh, we can't get Todd or whatever. But like, I haven't, those things are nice because the coach inside of me is really comfortable with doing that. And the coach inside of me is really happy seeing people around me um, improve if I can help them do so. So that to me is the biggest positive. Uh, I'm not in, I'm not in the sport for any type of recognition or anything like that. Um, so like, you know, whatever publicity or whatever else you get, I, I can do with or without that. That's not really my MO. Um, making a little bit of money here and there off of arm wrestling is a plus, but that's not really my MO. Um, been blessed enough to be fairly successful in life. And, and I'm not one of those people where I need to, uh, to tie monetary value um, to, to success in arm wrestling. Um, so now all things considered, the journey has been fun. I almost wish I was still in the middle of it. Um, there's plenty more to do. So uh, there's going to be, there's going to be coming, there's going to be goals. Hopefully I can set one in 2021, like <laughs> tomorrow. So I can start focusing on something like with a little bit more laser like precision absolutely man um like maybe you're like maybe like we'll focus on around like a he like a really heavy competition but like how do you how do you sort of handle the stress around a competition how do you kind of like calm yourself down for lack of better terms after it's over or like maybe before it happens to have that little moment of just like calm before the storm happens well i mean i've had a lot of experience in this like when it comes to competition in other sports um uh, in, in, in my day playing football, um, high school, college level, I was always uh, an introvert uh, when it comes to, I was captain on every team, but I was never the most vocal. That was something I had to learn with maturity. So I'm not, I'm not the type of person who makes a big scene or anything like that to get wound up or anything. Um, I'm good with um, headphones in my ears. Um, I usually get together like a playlist and Playlist is not something that I'm going to be listening to a ton of music. It might be a little bit here and there, but it's more, it's more some, some motivational speeches and things like that. I like to focus. I believe in, in visualization. Visualization process starts early, especially if it's a, if it's a match, because um, you're focusing on one thing. It's easy to focus your energy when you got one thing to focus on. If it's a tournament, it's more about you. You got to focus on yourself. Um, but I love the idea of getting into my mentality, moving around, you know, physical movement prior to competition, whether it be whether it be bouncing a little bit like a boxer and visualizing stuff. To me, um, and a lot of people say it, if you're if you're if you're facing like uh, an evenly matched opponent, uh, Mike Tyson always said, you you know that match is is won or lost usually on the walkout, you know, and and the first sight um, in the ring. So I think usually the person who is more confident in the moment and who has that stuff squared away, if it's an even match, is going to have the edge. Um, I know Neil has always talked about like, you know, he talked about the Devin and Michael Todd match um, and his feeling, his vibe, the energy. I believe in energy. I'm a religious person, but I believe in energy, right? I can feel energy. I can feel energy in pregame uh, when we're coming into a big game. You know, I can feel energy on that pregame speech. I can tell the vibe and it, it usually doesn't lie. So I think that those things are really important, but everybody has their own way to get to that. 
you know, Travis, like I said, one of, you know, one of my, one of my buddies in the sport. I mean, he's such an honest dude, uh, love him or hate him. Um, all his antics, he'll tell you, he said, those antics are more for me than for my opponent. Those, an those antics are to hype me up rather than intimidate my opponent. So uh, the beauty of Travis is he kind of wears that stuff on his sleeves. And I like the idea of delving into, you know, an elite athlete and the different approaches that they take. And Travis is one of those guys who he has to get his mind state up. Um, along the way, he might also intimidate his opponent or he might be perceived like negatively. But I truly believe that that is his tool um, for in the moment success. And it's a huge part. Energy, mentality, visualization. And vibe is huge before any level of competition. And then starting off strong is always big. Always big. Yeah. Football was like, all right, man, I want to I like <laughs> I, you know, I want to run down on that first kickoff. Like, coach, I want to be on the first kickoff. Now I don't want to be on all the kickoffs, right? Because I I get too tired. Yeah. But <laughs> the first one, I want to get those cobwebs out and I want to blow somebody up on the first kickoff. Yeah. I want to get that first big hit out of the way and then we're ready to roll. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, within the sport, are there any changes that you would like to see maybe in like the coming year? Like just how, maybe on how things are run, maybe I'm not, not too sure. Yeah. I, want, I, I would love to see unity. Yeah. I would love to see unity. The biggest problem in our sport. Um, and it, it's, and I don't want to say not, I want to say it's diversity. It's not diversity. It's conflict between leagues. Um, it's conflict between thought processes, rationales, um, what you can and can't do. Um, the, 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 the kind of rift that's, that's going on between WAF and IFA and, you know, IFA or PAL and, and WAL, there's no real rift, but there's, you're, there's, there's lack of crossover, you know, like we all want to see Michael pull LeVon, right? Can we make this happen? We don't know. It might not be, a, it might be an impossibility. So I mean, if there was something I'd like to change, it would be more unity and crossover. Um, I think that's me personally. That's speaking from the arm wrestler's perspective. Um, from, from the big stage uh, perspective of the idea of going mainstream with the sport, I would love to see whatever format it may be that creates the most viewer-friendly version of arm wrestling to get it legitimized um and I, I know when i first started um and wal was still you know kicking with the tournament format and everything there was a lot of criticism from the arm wrestlers when they started doing the super matches but i am a wholehearted believer along with neil the super match arm wrestling even though i personally don't like it as much as i like tournament because i'm better in tournament I do believe that the, the value that is added in, in super match arm wrestling is what is required to take us to the next level. So that means things like the top eight, you know, that means like the super series. Um, so I guess if, if, if we looked at it in totality, I would love to see more super match. Like if, if more leagues are going to emerge, focus on super matches, round robins, things that, that can be, uh, that if it can provide production value um, along with the tournaments and then allow your athletes to compete universally. Um, I think that would be huge. Um, I think what's going on right now uh, in arm wrestling, like with Larry wheels and Juju Mufu and, you know, all these guys who are getting interested. Um, I think in the arm wrestling community, it's met with a little bit of um, certain people 
having a little bit of negative feelings about it, which I kind of understand um, from the perspective of if arm wrestling is your baby and you don't want it to be corrupted by what you perceive as something mainstream, I understand that. But I also understand if, if, we, if the goal is to truly get it to the point where it's not a barroom sport, then these guys are doing major favors for us. So I don't really care if Larry Wheels and Khaled are the primary people um, that being talked about right now, it's they're super important. Definitely, yeah. There's a whole new audience like that's total that's being shown the sport and stuff. There's so many like a lot of my friends they didn't even know about the sport. And then like when I started a year ago, I was just like, oh, I'm training for arm wrestling. Like, oh, what are you doing that for? And now they're like training partners and stuff. So it's just interesting, right? Cool thing, yeah. Um, let's see what I also have here. All right. Uh, in light of like the current like pandemic situation, right? I'm sure there's a lot of people like, do you have any advice for anyone who wants to like either start a business or like achieve a high level of like success, like get the ball rolling on like a project that they deem to be very important and like to get the ball rolling? I, I guess, does that make sense? I don't know. So like, so like, like in general life, like advice towards like moving forward from this pandemic. Sure. Is that yeah. what you're asking? Sure. I mean, I think, I think yeah, the, the pandemic has changed so much, right? So like for those of us who are used to going into work and dealing with stuff like face-to-face -face and communicating with people face-to-face, -face, um, teleworking and working from home has become a very challenging thing. So, uh, I mean, I feel like probably the easiest way to, to get things going after the pandemic, if we're looking at it from a perspective of like what has changed is, is going to be figuring out how to look at life through that new lens. Um, so, I, man, <laughs> I'm not sure, to be honest with you, uh, the virtual things are great. And I think that that's why these content creators in arm wrestling have, have really taken off because they're stuck at home and they're doing everything virtually. Um, but I, I mean, if it comes to just any new endeavor, my advice towards anybody, any new endeavor is don't go halfway. Yeah. So like, you're going to, you're going to have that feeling out period, right? Where you're making your decision. You gotta, you gotta familiarize yourself with some unknown territory. Uh, once you familiarize yourself with that territory or whatever that goal may be, um, if you choose to move forward with it, do not do it wishy-washy. You have to commit to it. And when you commit to it, you have to figure out the steps, you know, you need to set your, yourself a goal by goal plan, right? Like, what do I need to do? What is my ultimate goal? My ultimate goal may be a dream. It may not be unattainable. It may be unattainable, but I need to work backwards and I, I need to reverse engineer that down to the smallest um, micro step um, and the day-to-day -day stuff and just follow it. I think the most important thing in life is showing up and reliability. So reliability falls into those micro steps. If you are reliable, like if you want to equate it back to the gym, um, that gym, if you're going to the gym, going has to be your priority. What you do when you get there is bonus, but going has to be your priority. If you say, I'm going to go five days a week and you don't go, you, you, you don't go one day and you don't make it up. Or if you don't go one day and you have to make it up, if you're that person who, who has to take off Thursday and make it up Saturday, you're probably not going to be successful. If you don't prioritize those micro goals, you will not be successful. And people say, well, you know, how the heck do you, how did I, I get it all the time? My wife all the time, because I do so much, you know, I work, I work two jobs. Um, I have multiple 
sources of passive income um, that I'm always trying to manage and a ton of things. And how the heck do I get to the gym every day? Five, or how do I get there five days a week? Usually, you know, doubles <laughs> because I prioritize it. So it's one of those things where like, I don't, I can empathize with people's lives and their situations, but I cannot feel sorry for uh, a lack of time, um, like time management and time utilization. If it is a priority in your life, you will make time for it. Um, I always tag everything with uh, I'll rest when I'm dead, you know, <laughs> because sleep is not a necessity. <laughs> and I'm not, don't get me wrong, guys, it is. Your, your body needs it. But like, but like eight hours, you're not going to die if you don't get eight hours. So if you say I don't have that two hours for the gym, I don't have that two hours for my startup. I don't have that two hours for, you know, putting together my business plan for what I want to do. I don't have that two hours for cold calls. If you say that um, and you sleep eight hours a day, yeah. don't say it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Don't do it. <laughs> and that's why, I mean, I love, I love Eric Thomas, man. I love the guy. Uh, it's, he's so spot on with so many things. And, you know, if you ever really want to do some soul searching, you can just click on any one of that guy's videos and he'll tell it like it is, but it's so true. And I come to find like, you know, coming up, I came up, I came up very modestly to say, <laughs> to say the least, you know, uh, probably beyond that. But that you know if you if you come up with that background and you choose to to not allow that to define you um and you live your life by um that you know i'll rest when i'm dead or you know i'll make it work there is always time there's always a way there's always more effort you've never done enough if you live by that you can't fail there's no way if you fail it's because you, you you started the wrong thing and you need to pick a different one and that's where it comes in where everybody says well you have to fail however many times before you succeed well, those people wind up succeeding. That's because they were winners and they were doing things right. And they just had to find the right track to succeed on because you can't make everything work. You have to have a solid business plan. And say like if I was related back to arm wrestling, if I didn't have the genetic background, would I, would I be where I'm at? Probably not. But I had to do that feeling out period where I decided like, oh, okay, I think I'm good enough. You know what I mean? To pursue this. Now it's on me to really make it, make it my own. Definitely. All right. Uh, last couple of questions here. Um, are, are you like a New Year's resolution kind of a guy? I'm not, I'm not too, I can't really tell just from talking. No, no, no I don't need New Year's to make a decision. Okay. No way. New Year's resolution, they bother me. Yeah. You know, that's actually one of the most annoying things. And, you know, I don't train in a commercial gym anymore, but I always hated New Year's resolution. And I always hated people getting ready for the summer because you see this huge influx of new gym goers who don't know what they're doing and you know that you're not going to see them in two weeks but you got to deal with them for two weeks um so to me um if you have to wait for something to happen to make a resolution that resolution is wasted if you know that this is something you need to do you need to do it when you wake up the next morning um if you feel like all right i'm gonna wait and it's funny because like here i am talking all this trash about new year's resolution uh but i'm cleaning my diet up like as we speak. Uh, so it's pseudo hypocritical, but in theory, um, you, you, I don't like, I don't like large new year's resolutions. Sometimes they work. Some people are built for them. Um, and some people need that, that kind of turning point, new year, new start. I get that philosophy, but I think like when it comes to like a, a lot of the simple basic stuff, there's no better time than now. Let's not put it off. If you put it off, 
you don't really want to do it usually, usually. So for me, no, I don't do New Year's resolution. I don't, I don't think I ever have. And I think, you know, even from, from the time I was a kid, I was like, I ain't doing New Year's resolution. No way, you know? So everybody has their own approach though. So I don't want to condemn anybody's yeah, thought process. No, like, this, yeah. this show's about you. I want, I want to hear your perspective, right? So like, <laughs> you talked a little bit about food and stuff though. So I'm going to pick your brain a little bit on that. So like, give me two of the, two of the things that you're going to implement to make sure you do and in, in clean up your diet when December, 2021 girls around and you have done so throughout i will i will i don't follow so i will stop i will vastly diminish my carbohydrate intake really okay. and i i will also vastly diminish my consumption of processed foods to me those are the two things that are what my body responds best to or worse to um holidays it's tough to not eat carbs in some fashion or to keep them low. So for me, I try to range around like 50 to 60 uh, grams per day. Wow. I can get my vegetables in, things like that. And my body, surprisingly at 50, 60, um, still, can still be in a pseudo keto range sure. with that. Um, everybody has a different threshold, but my body responds to carbs like really, really quickly. Like if I do a weight cut, like if I cut to 198, a portion of that cut, obviously a ton of it's water, but the carbohydrates, um, the, 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 the strict cutout of carbohydrates a couple weeks prior stops the water retention for me. The minute I take in carbs and especially processed carbs, my, my body immediately retains water. And I also feel a major influx of inflammation when I'm taking in a lot of carbs and processed foods. So I like, and I normally, I live my life like this. The holidays are tough. Um, but I pretty much live my life a low carb, like uh, make my own field or make my own food lifestyle. I don't, it's not a whole lot. There's no, I have very little eating out. And if I do, it's usually, you know, salad or something really basic. Um, so I try and maintain that baseline. And then when it comes time for a cut, I go more strict. Like I take that from 50, 60 grams down to like 20 or 10 or none. Um, and that's what my body responds to. So those are, you know what, I don't, I, I don't, like, I don't want to pee on keto strips. I don't want to do a paleo, something that I am really restricted. I don't want to do a carnivore. I don't want to do all that. I just, I've developed a, a pretty good understanding of my body and what I can and can't do. And for me, the easiest way is the two things I just said. And then like, uh, I, I enjoy cooking. So I will cook and meal prep for a week. So once I'm, when, when I'm really rolling, Sunday, my wife and I cook a couple different things and we put them, we put them in uh, individual packages and I enjoy that process. Sure. When I sent you the PDF of like the framework of questions, what's the question you wish, what you wish was on that list? Oh, that's so tough, man. I don't know. I mean, like maybe something, something more people knew about you. And that, something like yeah, that. that was like the, that's the, I don't know. I mean, more new about, I mean, I don't know. Um, I guess that, uh, I, I mean, I think the general public, I think this is probably, the, it's the, it's kind of the, 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 the elephant in the room when it comes to how I'm perceived on social media. Um, and I've said this in similar ways um, in the past, but everybody thinks that like, you know, I'm like, and somebody just, I, it was a post the other day about like, oh, Derek Smith is the nicest arm, the nicest arm wrestler behind Paul Lynn and, and Jesus is also behind him. And that's so crazy because I am not the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> As a matter of fact, um, 
and it's it's not that it's not that I'm it's not that I'm being fake in any way, shape, or form. I'm just consciously trying to be a better person um, and to be a more positive person and do thing do the right thing for the right reason. It's kind of like a mantra that that my family has kind of adopted that we we are going to do the right thing for the right reason. Um, and if we can kind of live our life by that, we're going to be better people. But me personally. Um, in, in prior years in my life was the furthest thing from a nice person, like you, you, in a lot, a lot of ways. So I think um, people's perspective of me um, is a little bit skewed. And I mean, I'm, I'm flattered when people say things like that, um, because I know that I'm at least getting a little bit better. But I am not the nicest guy in the world. And I'm also like a competitor, too. So when it comes to competition, I might be a little bit different of a person. And we all have our demons and we all have like our, our backstory that people might not know. Uh, that's the beauty of arm wrestling to me. I got to kind of recreate myself um, and say, hey, you know, when I played football, I was this guy. I was this middle linebacker. This guy, he's, he's intense and an asshole and violent. You know what I mean? And I kind of lived my life violently because that was who I was in that moment of my life. And when I lost that identity, when you lose your identity, you grow up as, a, as something. Like I grew up as something. I was Paul Lynn. Hey, what, hey. Who are you? I'm Paul. I play football. You know what I mean? It's like the next thing that comes out of your mouth after an introduction. Well, now I, I lost that and I had to re kind of re reinvent myself. And it's like, okay, now I'm, my name is Paul and I coach football. Well, now things change. You know what I mean? Now you're a coach. Now you're a mentor. Now you got it. You can't just be the player. Um, and just because you're just because I'm in coaching and I'm a mentor doesn't mean that I'm the nice coach. Uh, that's what it could crack people could, like they think I'm like I don't know what they think but <laughs> you can ask my guys if I'm a nice guy and you're probably gonna get no from all like every one of them so but that's what it has to be in that sport so um it, this arm wrestling thing has allowed me to um kind of be the better person that I probably should have been a long time ago um and, and try and maintain that you know, and hopefully I don't ever lose my mind someday and go nuts. And everybody's gonna be like, I knew he was crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the things that I think, I don't know, I didn't even know how to articulate it. But I think that's, I don't want to say that I'm misperceived, because I don't think I'm misperceived. But I think that I'm giving too much credit for it. Um, like in, in our community. Um, but it is what it is. Um, Hopefully I'm, you know, for every person that says I'm the nicest guy ever, maybe I'm getting one step, one tiny step closer to being that. So we'll see. Absolutely. I don't want to like blow any smoke up your ass, but like it says a lot about your character that you agreed to come on the show and speak to like a nobody kind of thing and like teach me so much. What do you about mean, like, man? You got a podcast. I mean, you're dude, you, <laughs> you're not a nobody. You're not a nobody. No, I love it. I love this stuff, dude, because I, I think that, and to me, it's, you know, I'm, I'll go make a YouTube video tomorrow and, you know, 300 people might watch it, but, um, you know, if five of those people care about what, what we're talking about right now, then you're doing the right thing for the right reason. And, and you made a positive impact on the world. What can we do? Like, what can we do in this world? Like, you know, what, when we're gone, what are people going to, what, what, what happens then? Like, what is purpose in life? Like, these are things that like, I mean, if you want to, to me, you, you want to leave a legacy, right? Um, the legacy can be in glorification of yourself or it can be in helping of others. And, and in a way, I think that you can be remembered or whatever your goal is and everything. But by helping people or touching lives, to me, that's the most living legacy that you can possibly leave. It's not necessarily about, 
you know, things that have been recorded or are, you know, are, are stored in archives, but rather uh, that next generation or that fo th those people that, that, that you kind of left behind, um, that they gathered something from your life and remember you. Your memories are what, what, what carry you on. And like I said, uh, one, of, one of the early mentors in, in my career and Jim Bryan, like this is a guy, you know, he passed away, uh, bless his heart. Um, uh, I think just not right, right over the holiday break. And um, he had all the pictures that came out on Facebook and everything. You see his legacy, you know? So the guy has created a legacy that, that you know, that I probably didn't even recognize until I see it after he's gone. So I think to me, and, and that's, that's really the most important thing in life, not that medal you got at, you know, the arm wrestling tournament down the road. I mean, those things are cool. And I'm jealous of people who display their medals and have all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, but for me, I think that that's kind of probably why I just toss those things in a box or throw them in the garage. I, ha I had some hung up at, at one point in the garage and they're just, I don't even care, you know? So it's all how you look at things, I guess. Definitely, man. You know who Ed Cohen is, right? I'm, do, you, do you know who that is? Ed Cohen? Ed Cohen, yeah. I believe so. Powerlifter, greatest of all, greatest of all time. Yes, 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 yes. I, 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 yep, yep. No, I, I'm just like, there's just a similarity between two because like he has a very similar approach to like the trophies and stuff he collects. Like he, he had like, I was watching like a podcast with him and I don't, I don't know where it was, but he was saying like the trophies that he got from like the powerlifting, he'd give it okay. to his sisters to use as paperweights because he just didn't care. Like yeah. he more about the journey than yeah. the medal as the destination. It's just an interesting parallel well it's, you know you know what's funny about that that too is and that's exactly what i see it like i mean i get my stuff and i give it to my kid and he'll play with it and he'll break it or whatever and it's cool in the moment but the only thing about that 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 i feel like that that that, that i'm failing on and he may have potentially failed on as well is that you can't it's about the journey right but you can't reverse engineer the journey if you don't have the mementos so you store it in your brain. I store it in my brain, but I can never relive it. And nor can my kid because the mementos aren't there to, 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 to kind of highlight the process. And it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Ryan saying, you need to document the journey. Um, so I can document the journey through some, some videos and things like that. Maybe it's out there. It can be pieced together later on. But the mementos themselves don't allow you to relive the moment. So... You know, when, when, when we'll both suffer, we'll both suffer when we're 80 years old and our grandkids are asking us questions. Unless we got photographic memories, <laughs> we, we probably won't be able to remember, you know? So, and I think that's probably one of my worst things is I can't remember it. I can't remember shit. <laughs> I can't remember games, nothing, whatever. <laughs> but con concussions probably has something to do with that, but it is what it is. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um... Do you have any book recommendations for me? Because I need to read more, quite frankly. Oh, man, you're like, I'm like, <laughs> you are talking to the wrong guy. Book recommendations? I can't, I mean, <laughs> I've only read a few in my life, to be honest. I'll do an audio book here and there, but no, honestly, I don't. My buddy, um, my buddy's been really pushing one at me. I forget what the guy's name is. Uh, they call him uh, the toughest guy in the world. Goggins is his last name. Goggins, I think yeah. He's, yeah. Yes. I, that, that he's been pushing that at me. Um, he's got the audio books for that. I'm probably going to listen to that. Um, but he swears by that. So yeah. I don't know. Interesting. 
Awesome, man. Not a reader. Well, Not I, a I reader. I really appreciate you for taking the time, and I learned a lot in this conversation, and I'm sure like the audience is going to find, find a lot of value in it as well. Good. Um, where can the people find you? Um, Facebook. You can you can you can friend me on Facebook. My rule of thumb is is if you got a couple other arm wrestler friends of mine, I'll probably I'll probably accept you. If I don't know you, I might not. It might be better to send me a message on Facebook Messenger. If you message me on Facebook Messenger, I will get back to you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at paullin717. If you message me on there, I will get back to you. Uh, it just makes it may take some time. Um, I do respond to all my messages. You can find me on um, you can find me on um, YouTube at Lethal Arm Assassins Network along with Storm Chilino and some others. We got a kind of a diverse uh, plethora of videos. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at primarily right now. A little bit of TikTok here, but I am not too much. Perfect, man. <laughs> All right. Thank you again for taking the time. Yeah, it's, I learned a lot here. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Honored that you would even think of me. 